0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable Podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by the Bantam Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Bantam membership today. Okay, hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Uh, Today I have Joe Walsh with me, who is the host of the White Flag with Joe Walsh. He's the former candidate for president, former congressman representing Illinois' 8th District congressional district and author of the book fuck silence calling trump out for the cultish moronic authoritarian con man he is uh joe um thanks very much for taking the time to come on the show today i know you've been pretty busy this week because uh let's say we have a bit of a situation in congress
1: because my former political party is off the fucking rails yeah
0: um yeah I I want to get more into your story um in, in a bit but let's we we have to talk about this right we have yeah. to talk about this this unfolding political crisis that's it's it's an extraordinary week extraordinary scenes that we're seeing in congress um what is your take on this uh i mean you know how do you see this playing out
1: well two things Ben and it's great to be with you man look this is a perfect storm um The base of the Republican Party has become fully radicalized, uh, and you see that in the House, combined with the fact that there are seven or eight Republicans in the House who would blow up that chamber if it would get them on Tucker Carlson's show, combined with the fact that Kevin McCarthy is a uniquely weak and untrustworthy candidate. You put all of that together, and it's a dysfunction on steroids.
0: Right, I mean, it's eleven. He's lost eleven votes now, right? And
1: it, yeah, I, I think. A, sorry, I, go I ahead, think I, no Ben. I think there's look. I don't think it. By the way, I don't think it matters who the speaker is. That's the great irony here. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, Lauren Lauren Boebert. I mean, the mega folks in the caucus are going to run the next two years, no matter who the speaker is. I I, I think McCarthy. Uh, still has a shot. Um, They're striking a deal and maybe they can get another 11 or 12 to support him. And then their hope is that the pressure on the final five or six or seven will be so great that one or two of them have to buckle. That's their play. If that doesn't work for McCarthy, then he's done. And then they got to find somebody else.
0: So I read this this morning from this is from Heather Cox Richardson. She she writes, um, McCarthy has allegedly agreed to their demand that a single person she's talking about the Freedom Caucus here can force a vote to get rid of the speaker A demand that puts him at the their mercy, and that he previously insisted he would never accept. He's also apparently offered members of the hard right Freedom Caucus two spots on the House Rules Committee, which decides how measures will be presented to the House, and given them control over appropriation bills. He's also said to be considering letting them choose committee chairs, jumping over those with seniority. I mean, that's crazy, right? This is a cabal of 20 people um, in Congress, Having that much power over the party is is insane. I mean, he, if he agrees to that, what happens to the moderates? The well, moderates,
1: yeah, I, I guess like like uh, one person can can now call a vote on whether to remove the speaker instead of five. He already agreed to five, so I don't think there's a big difference there. Look, um, the how there there are mm. some important reforms. Uh, like like uh, the speaker in my mind has always had too much power. We need to open up the process on the floor and real bills should be debated and amended on the floor. And we need to get back to regular order. All of that stuff's good, but you're right. Um, they want to hold this speaker hostage. They want too much control over this speaker. Uh, and, and McCarthy, Whoever it's going to be, if it's not McCarthy, if it's Scalise, somebody's going to have to agree to all of these things. Um, they, as you say, they're holding the entire conference hostage.
0: Do you think the party is going to learn anything from this going forward?
1: No. No, God, no. I mean, look where we are. And by the way, there's a long time coming. When I was in Congress, I was part of the crazy Tea Party caucus. We made life hell for John Boehner. Uh, and then uh, again, Boehner finally resigned, and then, in fifteen to sixteen McCarthy tried to be speaker uh the The freedom caucus guy stood up and said, "No, Paul Ryan got it, and then we made life hell for Paul Ryan. So this is a long time in coming, and in between all of that, Donald Trump uh, got elected president. uh he tried to violently overthrow an American election, and the Republican party didn't learn from any of that. So no, this little squabble, they will learn zero
0: I mean who. Who is running the show? This is what I confuses me the most. That I'm trying to figure out. When I look at this, I think, who is running the show in the in the Republican Party now? It, it, it seems to me like it's a leaderless entity. Am it I
1: right? Ben, you're spot on. It is because we're so focused on these twenty who oppose McCarthy that that's bullshit. That minute, minute number doesn't matter. Uh, eventually, a speaker is going to be chosen and then Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert who are on different sides of the McCarthy debate they're going to be on the same side when it comes to investigating Hunter's laptop and investigating Fauci and going after the deep state and all the other shit that these republicans want to do the number's not 20 there are the vast majority of republicans in the house are election deniers the vast majority of republicans in the house blocked certification of the 2020 election it's a mega caucus. And so, again, no matter who the speaker is, the mega agenda is going to drive the next two years.
0: And what does that mean for 2024? How well, do you see that playing out?
1: It, it, it means advantage Democrats, because what it means for the next two years is utter fucking chaos and dysfunction and all the Democrats can do, and the Democrats shouldn't help Republicans at all. All Joe Biden and the Democrats can do is just sit back, point to these people, and look to the American people and say, look at this. Do you want this? So, you know, like I know, uh, it, this this should, right? This should help Democrats and help Joe Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee is in 2024. The Democrats should make zero effort here and any subsequent fight to help the Republicans. This is their mess and this is their chaos.
0: So, you know, moving on, does the party, is is it just going to become more and more extreme or are there, is there a movement that you're aware of or that you can see emerging that could kind of, you know, bring the party back together to get rid of the crazies or, or is the party just in terminal decline?
1: Well, I think it's in terminal decline. I've, I've been very public the last couple of years, ever since I left the party, that I think it's a shrinking national party. I think it's a dying national party. They will still be strong in regions and still be strong in rural America. Uh, a lot of this depends on how crazy the Democrats go. But right now, the Republican Party is on a track to, nationally to shrink and die. I don't think anything gets them off of this authoritarian, embracing path that they're on. If Trump is not the nominee in 2024, it's going to be the Trumpiest candidate they've got.
0: So I want to follow up on that point you made about how crazy the Democrats get. So what do you mean? What do you mean by that, about how crazy the Democrats get?
1: Well, I think most Americans right now, uh, and I know everybody says this, but most Americans are center, they're center right, they're center left. And I, I I generally hear from very low information voters in the middle who really don't like either party. And mm. what they've been telling me the last two to three years is, Joe, uh, Republicans are assholes. Democrats are out of touch elites who don't understand me. And generally, a lot of these people would vote for the asshole. Now, what happened this past November is, I mean, the assholes turned into super election-denying crazies. Herschel Walker wasn't an asshole. He's just like a crazy. And Mm -hmm. Americans clearly don't want crazy. But if the Democrats kind of continue to not speak to working class people in the middle who are rightly pissed off about a lot of things, a lot of these people are going to turn to the Republican Party when they shouldn't.
0: Is is this, do you think this is, are these social issues you're talking about or economic issues?
1: Both. And what always pisses me off, Ben, is, and I come, look, you know, my background, I was a right wing culture warrior. Um, uh, Democrats, for some reason, are always afraid to fight on these culture war issues. They like seed that ground to the Republicans. I think most Americans agree with Democrats on these issues of race and gender. I think Democrats got to get dirty. And get tough and engage in these issues. That's what Middle America wants to see.
0: Agree with what issues? I mean, you mean specifically like um, you know Black Lives Matter that kind of thing. Um, in terms yeah. of women's yeah, like, rights, like
1: like, like uh, you know the Republicans when it comes to race, the Republicans throw out there that oh, Democrats. Uh, and the left believe that all white people are bad, and everybody, all white people are privileged, and and Democrats just kind of, uh, you know, go hide in a corner on that stuff. No, Democrats should say no. Look, we 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 need a racial adjustment in this country. How we teach about the history of this country, and that may make some white people feel uncomfortable for a little bit, but this is a good, healthy discussion. Uh, that kind of thing when it comes to gender, like. That's an easy one. Republicans talk about the fact that uh, Democrats want 64 different genders and all of this stuff. No, um, people should identify as the gender they want to be. We ought to be tolerant. Most Americans feel that way on that issue.
0: Mm. So I want to. OK, this is a more personal question yeah. for you. Like what what brought around your political evolution because you have i mean it's it's a huge i mean you were a trump supporter right in 2016 you voted for donald trump um you were in the tea yep. party i mean the, the tea party was the precursor to trumpism this was you know um sarah palin uh the beginnings of the sort of the culture war on steroids so i just want you know what happened
1: well let me make one distinction and you can push back on on me if you want ben I still consider myself a proud Tea Party conservative, Uh, and I got to write the book someday, because to me, the Tea Party movement, this is why I ran for Congress and got into the Tea Party movement. It was all about governments too damn big. We got to balance our budget. We're bankrupting future generations. That's what me and most of the Republicans in 2010 who got elected in the Tea Party wave, that's what we ran on. I will acknowledge that there's social stuff and some racial stuff with the Tea Party that I didn't pay enough attention to. But on the fiscal stuff, that's what drove me. What changed me? And by the way, that's what I still am. I still am a fiscal Tea Party conservative. But what changed me? What changed my tone was Trump. Mm. What com- completely? Uh, <clears throat> because I helped lead to Trump. Uh, I helped inflame Republican base voters. And listening to Trump then day after day after day, I thought to myself, my God, did I sound like this? And then listening to his supporters who used to be my supporters, and they were screaming for all this ugly nationalistic racial stuff that I never identified with as a Tea Party guy. So the election of Trump really kind of slapped me cold.
0: So, okay, I'm going to tell you what it looked like from my perspective. Sure. Um, Again, this is me. I guess pushing back a little bit on that. So I saw the emergence of the Tea Party and the Sarah Payne and kind of movement within the Republican Party yeah. as being purely cultural about the culture wars and about race and identity in, in America. That um, the criticisms leveled at Obama at the time, uh, you know, if you look at Obama's political views, it, at least. To me, he appears to be incredibly centrist, uh, I would say, almost bordering from a UK perspective. I mean, I, I grew up in the UK, yeah. Uh, so my, my, that was how I kind of viewed the world through the, the prism of UK politics. So Obama in the UK would have been regarded as probably conservative. He would fit more neatly within the Conservative Party there, a, you know, a, a, a liberal Tory, I would say. Um, you know, the tax rate under Obama was, I think it was, you know, lower than it was uh, uh, under Reagan. Uh, you have to go back to Nixon to get somewhere similar. I think the tax rate under Nixon was much higher than it was under Obama. You know, the, the ACA was borrowed essentially from Romneycare. This was a right wing, um, highly conservative uh, way of doing healthcare care policies. Nothing like what we have in the UK when we actually have, you know, taxpayer funded nationalized healthcare. Um, so I thought many of the charges leveled against Obama and, uh, you know, were basically a kind of subterfuge it was essentially we don't want a black guy in the, in the White House. So we're going to call him a socialist instead. We're going to scream communism. We're going to scream socialism uh, and hope that basically enough Americans understand that what we're really saying is, you know, the N-word. That's how it appeared to me. I'm not accusing you of that because obviously, you know, you you're, you sound very, very sincere when you're speaking about this. So obviously, it leads me to think that you genuinely did believe this. Uh, is that correct? Is, is that yeah, fair,
1: Ben? That's completely fair, and I will agree with a lot of that. Um, that that's what it morphed into. I would remind you that the genesis of the Tea Party was born before Obama got elected. I mean, okay. the 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 genesis of the Tea Party was anger and. A pushback against George W. and his bailouts. Um, and then and then look, again, I, I was right there for two or three or four years in the Tea Party movement, running as a Tea Party congressman. And I can tell you, 80 to 90% of what we talked about and what I heard and what I talked about was um, push back against Obamacare, you and I could have a good long debate about that, and push back against uh, Obama 's stimulus and all of the spending that started under Bush and continued under Obama. Um, I, I will acknowledge, though, Ben, that there were two strands to the Tea Party movement. Uh, mm. I identify with the fiscal strand, and I was guilty of not paying enough attention to the populist strand which basically, as you said, was, uh, you know, and, and and by the way, Trump, that's the strand that Trump tapped into. Once we went to Washington, and we didn't do shit about spending, then Tea Party people around the country got fed up. And Trump then tapped into the populist, the ugly nativist populist strand, which said, build a wall around the country and keep brown and black people out. Um, but you're right, I, I wish I had been more diligent back in the early days and pushed back with a lot of my supporters on the cultural stuff
0: yeah because i didn't it didn't really appear to pierce the sort of public you know consciousness until it became a, a black man pushing you know it would like, have been
1: and that's fa- and that's fair Ben and that's part of it, but I guarantee you if Hillary Clinton had been elected president in 2000 and what was it eight. Uh, the the Tea Party movement would have flourished just as it did under Obama, because really, for most people in this movement at the beginning, it was all about the debt and the growth in spending. It really was, I thought, yeah. anyways.
0: So I mean, yeah, I I I think perhaps, and you know, maybe Hillary Clinton being a woman and being a Clinton as well, <laughs> that there, 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 there is there is. Um, I have noticed the kind of slightly deranged views on. Her. I've never been a, you know, I'll be honest, I've never been a Hillary Clinton fan myself, um, for various yeah. reasons. I never found her to be particularly, uh, a likable and B, I thought she was, you know, her foreign policy stuff I didn't really agree with. Um, so, yeah. but, Having said that, you know look, when you see what happens on the right, it was sort of deranged. I thought like i don't hate Hillary Clinton. I just never found her likable i didn 't think she was a particularly talented um politician right right but in, you know when you see the right talk about these figures in the Democratic party, it would
1: be the, the, the hyperbole is 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 sort of is,
0: it's insane
1: um, I agree Ben I agree that that Obama being a black man and Hillary being Hillary. Mm. Um, A Clinton, it exasperated uh, what the it it helped facilitate the evolution of the Tea Party movement. I will acknowledge that. I I guess what I'd say is if you had a a, a white male Democrat progressive who was president, who was elected in 2008, and they spent a lot of money and uh, enacted a huge old stimulus and enacted uh, Biden care, whatever it might have been called the tea party still would have been there
0: yeah i mean it was i just didn't hear that much about it during the bush mm. years i mean the, the bush years when a spending trillions of dollars on a on a pointless war and then
1: uh fair. He, that's fair you know
0: and and then the, the the bailouts happened under his watch i mean obama yeah. uh, bush authorized billions and billions of dollars in bailouts for for for, for the banks um And because I think there was a sort of a widespread agreement, it it seemed amongst the political elites that this is what was needed. You had to, you know, the house was burning down. So you had to bail out these banks um, to stop the entire global economy from cratering. So I think there was kind of widespread agreement that we have to bail these.
1: Right. That's true, Ben. But just that was the kind of the spark
0: that started the Tea Party. But here's, here's how I view the difference between... Uh, the democrat the you know the way that Republicans and Democrats deal with um what you would regard as socialism so i, I it seems to me that the Republican Party deals with socialism for the rich um, and the Democrats are the same they want socialism for the rich, but they 're willing to allow some poor people in on on it too right That's, that, that, that seems to me the difference between the two parties i you know i personally I'm more leaning towards the democratic I like I would like to see more socialism for me I'd like to see more more of that socialism go to the poorest people in in the country uh as opposed to the wealthiest but it seems that there at least to me that with the right that it's absolutely blank checks for corporations blank checks for banks um you know as many tax breaks as you want for corporations and uh, polluters and whoever it is
1: and, and then and, and
0: accountability.
1: Yeah. And enough. what's interesting is I, I generally agree with everything you're saying right now because I'm generally pretty just, I'm basically pretty free market libertarian. Um, and what's interesting to me is like that used to be the right. That was mm. the Tea, tea Party. That, that ain't, there ain't no room in this Republican Party now. This Republican Party is like an authoritarian, big government spending party now. So there's no notion of. Of any sort of free market libertarianism in this party.
0: So, where do you? How do you define yourself now? You, you, you classify yourself as an independent. I mean, do you you vote with the Democrats.
1: I uh, I am an independent. I'm 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 politically homeless for the last three years. Ever since I ended my crazy primary challenge to Trump, I left the party. Um, I I've spent two election cycles now doing all I can to help get Democrats elected. I haven't joined the Democratic Party yet. I'm probably too conservative. But I'm I'm helping Democrats win because I just believe we're not – this isn't about policy anymore. One of our two major political parties is fully anti-democracy. they got to be stopped.
0: Yeah, and look, that's a point that I – have tried to make to you know to critics of what we do at, at the banter that they say oh you know you're very pro democrat and you refuse to criticize the democratic party it's like my answer to that is look yes i have criticisms of the democratic party but to, it seems like democracy is is on fire like the house is burning yes. down yes uh, and i you know, while there is you know democrats are infuriating Um, it's like, there's a saying in England that they couldn't organize a piss up in a brewery, um, but like, you know, for all of those criticisms, and I I still see there being one genuine political party. The Democrats are a political party. The Republican party has been for some time, basically arsonists. Uh, they have no interest in governing. They want to tear the system down. Um, you know, owning the libs is basically, that's what they do. That's their only policy objective. I don't see any policies coming out of the Republican Party. So it it seems like there's no other way to cover this and to say, look, like this is you have screaming monkeys. It's
1: it's been it's radicalized. Like I was on I was on CNN earlier today and um, I I acknowledge and I was asked about uh, the Tea Party, how we made life hell for John Boehner. We did Mm. make life hell for John Boehner. But man, we were always arguing and getting in his grill about policy stuff, about spending, about a budget, about all of the, these things. You're right. The, these extremists today—it's got nothing to do with policy, hmm. nothing. Um, That—that's it. Look, Trump. People like me helped create it. Establishment Republican people ignored the problem for years. People like me inflamed the voters, republicans and then once Trump got elected, they became fully radicalized and that 's where they are now
0: so do you, do you think that the Democrats are doing a good job of fighting this no Republican party you don't think they're doing a good job what why?
1: Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll amend my answer by saying I thought Joe Biden did a great job this last campaign because mm. son of a gun, he would not let go of this issue of defending democracy. And, and Ben, you know, like I know, every Democratic consultant and advisor told him, Mr. President, quit talking about democracy. Talk about the price of gas and inflation. And Biden wouldn't let go of it. And I'm damn glad he did. And I think that really made a difference in the midterm. Turns out more people than we thought care about this notion of democracy. But here's my fear. The Democrats got lucky in the midterms as well because of these crazy badass candidates who ran and because Donald Trump was front and center. Every election has pretty much been a referendum on Trump. When Mm. Trump is gone, uh and 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 when if the republican w- party wises up and and uh elects more sensible right candidates you know the democrats still have their issues that as a party they are increasingly out of touch with middle of the road working class americans they got to figure that shit out
0: and you believe that's solely About economic issues, about you think that they're too far left when it comes to economic policy?
1: No, I think – I don't know that they're too far left on policy. I think they emphasize the wrong shit. Like I go back to uh, um, uh, the rise of gas prices uh, a year and a half, two years ago when that was a huge issue. You had Democrats come out talking about green energy. The price of gas went through the roof last week and you have Democrats out there pushing green energy. Hello – Green energy is important. Renewable energy is important. But right now, a family of four that can barely afford groceries this week is paying five, six bucks at the pump. Green energy ain't going to help them tomorrow. And so it's just some of the things they emphasize are out of touch. Democrats do tend to talk too much about some of the woke issues instead of some of the bread and butter issues. Uh, I think that I think most Americans again are with them, Ben. They just need to talk the right language, if that makes you, sense.
0: Right. So I mean, I, you know, and I got a, I kind of agree with you on this. I have to say, like, I was watching. I don't watch cable news much at all. Yeah. Uh, so I was watching MSNBC yes uh, last night. To just follow the insanity in yeah. on the hill. Um, and I just was struck by the the tone with which some of the mm-hmm presenters speak um and it's a kind of lecturing it's kind of yes. snarky it's kind of um and you can kind of see why at least to me i can see why so many people would be turned off by that and i think that democrats have a problem have a genuine problem with this they have a ben, genuine my my, my,
1: my you're, you're you're so spot on my background is uh, blue collar uh, i mean i'm uh when i got elected to congress i was the poorest member of congress i'm not a rich dude at all and, and my, my supporters, my, my base was all regular middle class Americans. And they all say that, and even non-mega uh, people, they all say that about Democrats, that Democrats always seem to be talking down to them, mm. and, and even though they know Republicans are assholes. Democrats got to stop this stuff
0: do you do you see biden as being i mean i saw biden as being essentially the only real viable candidate out of the 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 last crop of you Heck know yeah. um, uh, because he's the kind of blue collar guy um he wasn't really you know he wasn't the identity politics stuff he wouldn't right. he wouldn't go there um he tried to you know he was kind of a unifying force in the democratic party he he was enough of everything to everybody uh, within the you know the broad coalition that democrats have to you know to get that to get across the line right to take the swing states to you know like pennsylvania right it's it's yeah. uh, i never saw somebody like kamala harris being able to win in places like pennsylvania no. I, just couldn't, I, I couldn't see it and it was just a reality
1: you're right. Ben, you're right. Uh, <clears throat> Biden fit that bill just enough. Now, he's old. A Biden from 15 to 20 years ago would have just really fit that bill, but mm. he fit that bill just enough. But Buttigieg or Kamala Harris, or this, th- these people are not, right now, they don't know how to talk to people in Pennsylvania and Ohio and Michigan.
0: Yeah, it was a shock. You know, I saw Pete Buttigieg, for example, I just thought was an incredibly intelligent, thoughtful, interesting guy. Uh, but my instinct was just like, okay, he's it's just he's not going to play in 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 Pennsylvania. He's not going to the South. It's not going to happen, you know. Um, and I think Democrats sometimes uh, misunderstand, for example, you know, black voters who are actually quite conservative in many exactly. ways. And and um, Hispanic
1: voters as well.
0: Very conservative. I'm married to a Latina. I know how her, her <laughs> very yeah. very 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 conservative. And I think Democrats make this mistake that they think everybody, you know, at least coastal Democrats or the elites um, as uh, Republicans. Yeah, are it's like the same. then
1: it's like that. It's like that shit of uh, Latinos. Let's not call them Latinos. Let's call them Latinx or whatever, however you pronounce it. Latinos don't yeah. want to be called that. White liberals are saying they should be called that. Come
0: on. Right. I don't Yeah, I know. I know. I have my my family. I tried to explain this to, you know, um, family members of mine, and they looked at me <laughs> like I was, I was insane because um, you know, I never used it. But I was like, what do you think of this? And they're like, uh, no. You can't take a language based on masculine, feminine, yeah. and then give it a gender neutral, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, so I, I, I do really agree with you on that. I, I think, um, you know, so what would you advise Democrats to do, particularly over the next two years, right, to, you know, um,
1: I, I, I did, I'd advise them to drop all, of, so much of this political correctness, so much of this identity politics, and, and, and j- just, be, just be like a normal, well, A, a they got to talk to people that they're not talking to get out of coastal, get out of New York, get out of DC, get out of Hollywood, talk to people in the middle. um, And don't feel like, like, hypothetically, if Biden didn't run, there'd be enormous pressure on Democrats to pick Kamala Harris or pick someone according to identity politics. You know who I think would be a brilliant candidate for the Democrats would be Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown. You talk about, working class white dude who sits at a bar and knows how to talk to a guy at a bar, but the Democrats would never nominate someone like that. Well,
0: this is why, look, I thought, this is why I thought Obama was great at least to me because I felt that, that right. Here's, here's where I think we're going to disagree. Right. So (laughs) I looked at Obama's very, if you look at the language that he used very, very careful not to inflame culture wars. Right. And, and it, 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 to me kind of, it, underscored how much racism plays a factor in a lot of this stuff that because um, i agree that he right that if you looked at what he was saying if you looked at his politics his policies his language he was incredibly careful he's not a fan of identity politics obama but, but,
1: but you're right ben you're right about all of that but obama was an elite obama was not the kind of guy i mean joe biden look obama obama needed biden when he was vice president to talk to a lot of these people because that wasn't Obama. Uh, Obama's got a lot of strengths, but he's an elite. I remember he went into Iowa and he, uh, when he was campaigning first and he said, boy, you can't find arugula lettuce anywhere here in the state of Iowa. I mean, just utterly out of touch with just people who don't even know what arugula is. Um, That's a problem. He, he, He was just a different, special, unique kind of candidate.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, he did win twice as well, so I will say that. Oh yeah, I'm, a, I, I'm an Obama fan. I'm a I'm an Obama fan, so I got to I got to admit that to you. Um,
1: hey, do me a favor. Yeah, uh, I'm really enjoying this conversation because uh, you're good, and this is a really interesting, engaging conversation. I got to hop like in 30 seconds. Damn it, <laughs> Joe. Listen. Yeah, we this should. Is, we need to continue this. I, we ben need ben to continue this.
0: We need to continue this. I, I just want to say, um, Joe, look, it's great having you on the podcast. I really enjoy speaking to you. We disagree on a few things, uh, but I think that you deserve an enormous amount of credit for what you're doing, uh, for speaking to people on the left, particularly during this toxic time in the cultural yeah. Uh I really, really value what, you, what you're saying, your presence on Twitter. Can you just tell me before you hop off, how can people follow you?
1: Follow me on Twitter at Walsh Freedom. I've got a podcast called White Flag with Joe Walsh, where I sit down every week with somebody who disagrees with me and we try to model how to have a respectful conversation. Uh, And Ben, I'd love to to do a part two with you. This has been fun.
0: We're going to do it. I'm going to be on your show next week. uh, Awesome. Stay tuned for that. Joe, thank you so much. And we'll see you soon.
1: Thanks, Ben.